welcome to Time Wasted Right, a monthly podcast where we talk about movies, video games, and TV shows, and also some tabletop games. Here we are, Adam. The Quentin Tarantino episode. I prefer to be known as Mr. Pink. All right. All episode. I'm going to be known as Mr. In the Stink. So, uh, first, right off the bat, if you're a white actor that wants to say the N-word, this is the guy <laughs> to get in touch with. This is the man. <laughs> I, I have heard... Oh, my God. I have heard in, in the Tarantino movies, I have heard the N-word used in every context possible. It, uh, yeah. God damn. And I... <laughs> This will, I don't know how this is going to sound coming from a white man, but in like inappropriate time periods too. Cause like, like, oh yeah, like wild, like extremely like, like, inappropriate like the time periods. That was just a term that was thrown around a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like saying it's no, good or anything. No, I'm not saying it's justified, but, but, like, but it was like still, in the yeah. early 90s with a bunch of white guys sitting at a, uh, like a diner. Yeah. That's like, no. What the fuck? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess you could throw behind it the fact that they were all criminals and obviously came from bad backgrounds. True. But still, like, god damn. All right. Yeah, when I, I was watching Reservoir Dogs with, uh, with my wife, and they started going on and on and on, I was like... You're just like, oh, I, for- I forgot. How did I you just forget? forgot. Right. I guess it's been a while since I've seen Reservoir Dogs, but I just forgot. <laughs> I expected it with, like... Django and Hateful Eight, but I just yeah. forgot in Reservoir Dogs yeah. that it's just thrown around constantly in constantly. that one. All right, what was your first Tarantino? Oh, movie? my first Tarantino—it's got to be Pulp Fiction. I'm yeah. pretty sure my first one was Pulp Fiction. Okay, right. I was an early teenager. Yeah, that's a pretty standard yeah. one that everyone saw first. I saw Reservoir Dogs first. Nice. Yeah, I think I was about 13, 14, somewhere in there. I remember thinking it was a very dark movie at that oh, age. I mean, and now that I'm so... older, it is dark, but it's I see more of like the artistic side of it. Oh, yeah, okay. Tarantino does a lot of like all all of his works I would say are sort of poetic. Okay. In a way, like how do I describe this? Oh, describe poems to me. Go. Okay, poems are Adam go fuck yourself. <laughs> All of Quentin Tarantino's movies tend to be poetic in a sense that they're all, like, works of art. They're all their own separate works of art. Okay. Where they follow... They, <laughs> I was about to say, don't say don't say a, a linear narrative, because they no, do not. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they all follow a narrative that when it's seen in its... I, I don't know what word I want to use here. When it's seen in its... Entirety. Entirety. It's, it's just, like... I don't know how else to say it other than beautiful. Okay. Like all of his movies somehow are poetic in a way that it's it's just beautiful, which is definitely fanboy. Oh um, no, it's definitely fanboy. It is what it is. Like I, it helps him. I feel that he has like he doesn't have a lot of movies out there, but he's the only director where I'm just like writer and director where I'm just like no, like I like all of his movies that I've seen. He hasn't made a single bad movie that I know he's there's written one and directed that he's, I was going to say I know there's one that he's written that you don't necessarily like. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. You want to jump do let's, that? Let's talk about the overall themes of his movies. Okay. So Quentin Tarantino seems to like to follow he definitely likes spaghetti westerns. How can you tell? 
Well, I mean, you know, there's just a couple of also, ways. I will <laughs> say in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when they said spaghetti, they told you the origin of spaghetti westerns. Yeah. That's the first time I heard that. Like, I didn't know <laughs> that's why they were called spaghetti westerns, just because they were directed in Italy. There it is. Okay. He's a he's a fan of westerns. He's a fan of maybe not movies set in the late 60s, early 70s, but definitely movies that give off that vibe. Yeah. R- Reservoir Dogs could easily be set any time period. So could so could Pulp Fiction for the yeah. most part, if I think about it. I mean, other, other than the normal stuff, like what year the cars are everywhere and like some people's hairstyles, but yeah. like for the most part... Death Proof. Death Proof. Until I saw a cell phone, I thought it was... Until I saw a cell phone and, mentioned, and heard them mention Red Bull. Uh, I was like, this could be set in the 70s. I don't remember Death Proof that much. I remember I remember liking it. I remember loving the fact that it was like kind of two movies in one. Oh, you mean Grindhouse? No, no, no. Like oh, Death oh Proof, the separation, the, the, right? There's so there's, separa- the first there's, half there's like it, the first half yeah. that he just destroys like and then the second half that destroys thing. him. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. I didn't, I did yeah. not, I did not see that coming. Speaking of Nazis, let's jump into Inglorious Pastor. No, 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 no. Oh, no, that was no, such no, a no. great segue. That was a really good segue, but let's, uh, let's. Uh, he also likes to frequent the idea of cinema in general. Yes. With a lot of what he does. He likes to play off of Hollywood, not just in the last movie that he made, but, you know, in general, filmmaking. Yeah. Like, he touches on it a, I think, a, a I, in bit. In fact, I think, like, his like his 10th and final movie, I'm pretty sure it's called The, the movie Film Critic. critic or the, or the, something yeah, like that. one of those. Yeah. The Movie Critics or, and or The Film Critic. Okay, so how do you want to do this? I don't know. I would like, I mean, uh, so I have a list of all the movies, and I'll say this is the second time that this podcast has forced my hand to watch or, you know, consume content that I hadn't previously and I've been really happy about it. That's good. I will say I don't do that all the time. Yeah. With this. Because I, I it's cool that you do. For me, I'm just like, it's time wasted, right? If I end up watching something that I've never seen before for this and I don't like it, well, I feel like it's time wasted wrong. You get, <laughs> well, what, you, so get, you get what I'm saying I, with that? I feel like in general the vibe that we that we, you know, the whole thing from this is if in the experience of viewing a bunch of Tarantino movies. I see one that I don't like. That's a fair but point. But seven that I fucking love. That's a fair point. The experience all, you know, all over was basically time wasted, right? True. So, and it's good to weed out certain things, you know. I will say if it wasn't for th- this podcast that we do for no one. <laughs> <laughs> we do it for ourselves. Do We do it for ourselves. I don't know how long it would have been until I finally have sat down and watched Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The only two I have not seen. I had not seen so fucking many. Yeah, you went through a list. I only had the two that I hadn't seen before that I wanted to watch. So let's... And if it wasn't for this... I don't know when I would have, especially, <laughs> spoiler alert, The Hateful Eight, I think my now favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I have to tell you, when you first said it, I was like, I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to like it as much as he did. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's definitely, it's up there. It's, I love Reservoir Dogs. It's mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs in the Wild West. Yeah. How much more better can you get? Okay, so let's touch on this first. Right. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Are we going to go in, like, first uh, time, like, chronological order-ish? I'm going to go in uh, order of release. We'll do that. Oh, yeah. Chronological order. Yeah. We're going to completely un-Tarantino it. Yeah. 
Yeah, Good. so... Quentin, not Tarantino. Okay. Tarantino, not. <laughs> I hate you so much. Yeah, me too. Quentin Tarantino wrote three scripts. He wrote Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, and Natural Born Killers. He put them out there into the universe, and what he told himself was that whichever one of them he got to direct himself, he would sell the other two scripts. That's what ended up happening with True Romance and Natural Born Killers. And just to touch on those other two movies really quick, since we're here. Go for it. Natural Born Killers is the movie that you referenced that I don't like. Yep. And me and Quentin Tarantino agree. Oh, he doesn't like that? He fucking hates that. Oh. Because they took his script and they, like, beat it to hell. What's the character that Robert Downey Jr. plays? Do you remember? Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> I do not so remember. His, in his script, that character is the main character. And it follows him. Okay. And whoever it was that ended up buying that script made it about Woody Harrelson's character. About the killers instead of... Right. He was a cop, right, Robert Downey Jr.? No, he was... Was he not hunting them down? No, Quentin... Sorry, not Quentin. Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Quentin Tarantino Jr. (laughs) (laughs) He's media. He's like... Oh, like press? Yeah. He's like a tabloid journalist sort of guy. You know, entertainment tonight sort of douche. So, yeah. So it basically follows him. Tarantino has said that he's not a fan. Just to clarify. Go on. Robert Downey Jr. plays Wayne Gale, the reporter chronicling the Knoxes, who are Juliette Lewis and Woody Harrelson. Yeah. So he's a reporter. Also, I guess another movie he plays Australian in. I don't know if you talked about that in your notes. I yeah. just oh, yeah. read that he's Australian <laughs> in here, and I was like, um, I do not remember that at all. It's literally, hold on, wait, in my, in my notes. Man. So in my Robert notes. Robert Downey Jr. plays a plays a great black australian man in multiple movies he does (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna start with reservoir dogs overall and then we'll go into the other stuff i just wanted to note go for it that was the origin of this so reservoir dogs was offered to him to direct and that's why he went with that was his first movie okay so what you're saying is like studios read all three scripts and then said you're directing this one and then he sold the rights for two more yeah okay basically okay something along those lines yeah I don't know how Hollywood works. I know in the... Well, so you have to figure in the 90s, it was all about, like, writing your script and then getting it to as many fucking people as you could. So eventually he got one that was like, hey, this is all you. Nowadays, you just have to make a funny TikTok. (laughs) It's a lot simpler now. And yet we still only have, like, five viewers as a podcast. (laughs) Viewers. Listen. Viewers. If we had five viewers, I think we'd be doing pretty good. We have five listeners. (laughs) We'll get there. Hey, we'll get there. I know. This is only our 900th episode, so, you know. Yeah, it'll happen eventually. 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 All right. That's what we get for being a daily podcast. <laughs> so, res- res- <laughs> so, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Mr. Blonde, who is Victor Vega. Yes. Uh, is brothers with Vincent Vega. Uh, I, would, Pulp Fiction. I would like to respond here with that my notes were about connecting the Tarantino universe, and you said you had no notes on that. And you start with this. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first thing that I noted about Reservoir Dogs because when I heard him say Vega, Victor Vega, I was like, oh, wait a sec. All right, well, let's just throw this out here. Yes, uh, they're confirmed brothers. And for a while, Tarantino wanted to do a movie, The Vega Brothers. And obviously, time, they can't do it anymore because, you know they're both they're dead, both dead. Yeah. you're not listening to this one you're not listening to this two you're not listening to this if you haven't seen tarantino movies tim roth's performance 
in Reservoir Dogs is fucking amazing. Tim Roth as, a, as an actor is this incredible. This love Tim Roth, this movie. I, I don't think Tim Roth has gotten as much attention as he rightfully should because that performance was as just like, I don't even know if, did that kick off his career? He might have been in stuff beforehand, but like I'm pretty sure Reservoir Dogs might have been his first big movie. Absolutely. Uh, what's how do you pronounce the actor's name? Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel did a really fucking good job. Yes, also. he's great. There was a lot of and Michael Madsen. That is he's great too. Like what the fuck? You you brought like a whole bunch of great actors to the table for this. Steve Buscemi. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Mr. <laughs> Blue, who had one line in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Just some old white guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't. He, he dies off screen. Like you don't ever see him. He's in like the restaurant scene. Yeah. And then in the scene where they're assigning names, and you never see him again. Chris Penn. Chris Penn. Chris which Penn. which is weird because you first saw also saw him in Rush Hour, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Is that so what you're about seen, to say? Seeing him in that. Well, he's also, but then he also comes back for another technically Tarantino movie. He was in True Romance. Tarantino has a a great roster of frequent actors. Yes, he does. I can't wait to uh, get to my segment where I tell you how he got one of those actors into the, his movies. So that was 1992 when Reservoir Dogs came out. Good year. Great year. I was two years old. I was already 18. Yeah. And no. <laughs> we have a real relationship. I met him when I was five. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Your real parents still don't know where you are. <laughs> real parents? Huh? So this is one of those movies. This is another one of... Oh, this is actually the first of Tarantino's movies that's out of order. Completely yes. out of order. Yes. He doesn't do it all the time. Name he, a movie he doesn't do that in. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Not out of order at all. It follows a path. They jump around. They, they, they bear... The only time that they jump around is they do a couple of things where they look back at something, like when Cliff killed oh, his wife. And there was another point. We're jumping to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right now, but it's because that has to do with time jumps, which are different than time travel. <laughs> Ooh, a callback. <laughs> it's when uh, Cliff is on the roof fixing the satellite, and it, it cuts back to when he got fired from the movie set for fighting Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, and then and then it cuts back to him on the roof being like, "Yeah, I deserved it." Like, yeah, I, deserved just, it. I was like, "Oh, that was fantastic!" <laughs> All right, nineteen ninety three, True Romance comes out. So True Romance was written by Tarantino. The script was written by him, and as far as I know, they stuck to it. Now you and Ooh, me, okay, we're about to t- we're about to talk about something different then. Oh, Tarantino's script. For this was originally not linear. True Romance is from memory right now is pretty linear. It is. In his original script, it is not linear. And Clarence and Alabama die at the end. Also, little tidbit for you. <laughs> True Romance. Uh-huh. Natural Born Killers is a script or a book that the main character of True Romance is supposed to be writing. So it's supposed to be a movie in a movie. But that's true. I would also like to say I'm pretty sure Tarantino wrote True Romance with himself as the main character. That is preposterous. Tarantino has never, never been in one of his own movies. Wait, you get what I'm saying, though? Like him 
in real life as the main character. Some guy working in a comic book shop, meeting a girl at a oh, Sunny Chiba right, festival. Right, right, right. Like a yeah, Sunny Chiba movie marathon. It mirrors his life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote that with himself. Like, li- literally, that's what he wanted his life to be, it seems like. You and me disagree on this movie a bit. I like this movie, you like this movie, but I am fully aware that this movie is definitely a comedy. I mean, there's definitely funny parts in it. It's a comedy. Hans Zimmer, which I was really surprised to see Hans Zimmer. I didn't know how long Hans Zimmer has been doing. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hans Zimmer playing the fucking little, you know, xylophone in the background. Just that music alone. It's a fucking comedy. The movie is a comedy. Yeah, there are funny parts in it. There's funny parts in all the movies. Speaking of a funny part, the best line from that movie is, you, you want me to suck his dick? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part from that one, again, again, comedy scene, when, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but she throws the cocaine, like, all in his face as he's getting stopped by the cop. (laughs) That was a decent movie. I, I, really, and might, I might not have been a huge I fan of it. I think that was the but... first one I saw after I saw Pulp. Like, I went from Pulp Fiction to True Romance. Okay. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a decent and movie. I, I mean, I know it's called True Romance, but I fell in love with True Romance, like, the second I saw it. All right. 94, and I'm going to do this in two parts because there's two movies from 94. One is Natural Born Killers. And the other is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Okay. I knew that one. I wasn't going to say, and the other one is... And then wait for you to finish. So, Natural I Born it. Killers. I, I took non-biased notes. Oh! Yeah. I tried to, anyway. Okay, I'm going to say, I don't remember this movie a lot. I will say, I remember liking it, and it was one of the first Blu-rays I ever bought. So, I'm pretty sure I really liked it when I saw it at the time. Here's a little tidbit for you. Ooh, I like tidbits. So, I figured that you would enjoy this, because uh, La Vian Rose plays in the beginning after they kill a bunch of people. And that's a great and song. I know, it was at your wedding that, yeah. I, that I wasn't at. No, you were not at there. You were not at there. Not a... Super romantic. <laughs> <laughs> the scene that's... Uh, I don't know if you'll get to it. The scene that sticks out to me most after not seeing it for a while is the weird sitcom scene. I just... It left, like, a bad taste. I get it. I I didn't know it was originally supposed to follow Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. around. I feel like that would have been a lot. That definitely feels more Tarantino. Follow around this guy who's following them around. Right. That, yeah. So and, and that was sort of, I put that in here, was that the movie feels like a Tarantino movie, but written or by, uh, like, directed by somebody who is definitely on drugs. Yeah. So. Tarantino's not. Wait, do we know that for sure? I don't know. Uh, allegedly, he's not. Right, Wait. Well, let's move on to the better. The better. <laughs> do we say allegedly for positive things? Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> he's not on drugs. Quentin Tarantino is not on drugs and has never done drugs. Ooh, and, that's an allegedly. And none of the drugs in any of the movies have ever been real from his personal stash. No, we better. For legal reasons, we're joking. We're just, we're just joking. Yes, but for I'm not, not, le- I'm for not, not legal winking. reasons, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> For not legal reasons, I'm as confused as you are, Cody, who's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> the more important 1994. The year I turned four. Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah, Pulp Fiction happened too. Out of order. I think it would be interesting. And I know that there are cuts of it. 
I mean, you where can also just where skip around yourself on DVD easily. I'm fairly but certain there's a bonus feature on one of their DVDs that puts it in order. I like that it's not in order because I remember watching it and being like, "He just he just killed Vega." Yeah, he just killed Vega. But luckily, it's out of order, so he can show back up again later. Yeah. All right. What's in the case? Ooh, we're going to this. So Tarantino likes. Japanese things also. You, that's very heavily implied with like Kill Bill and stuff. Go on. I believe there's some Japanese movie I think where somebody steals a soul from someone. It, you and me are yeah, going to say yeah. the same thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is Marcellus Wallace's soul because he also has like a bandage on the back of his neck, which would imply mm-hmm. that's where it got taken from. So, and I want to see. I, I want to see more in the universe where somebody steals someone's soul and puts it in a suitcase. Like I love that. So much. So I really like that, and I definitely was going to mention that. The other theories are it's the the diamonds from Reservoir Dogs. Okay. That's interesting. Also, it could just be gold. Maybe a, suit, a suitcase full of gold bars. I guess that would be interesting in 94 to be like, oh my god, is that what I think it but is? But Marcellus Wallace's soul is the best answer. I that, love that. Yes. Which begs the question... How did Tim Roth's character know what a soul looked like? I think is that I think, what I think it is. I think it's just something uh, magic. Like it's just maybe. Uh, yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. Because I don't really like. It's just something so you just know what it is when you see it. That's the only way I can yeah. describe this. So when I was in that, college, that, oh, okay, I was going to throw a joke. In oh, uh, all right. Wait, that wait, just wait. begs the question of what does Marcellus Wallace's soul look like? It doesn't look like a bitch. <laughs> All right, when you were in college. When I was in college, I took a film course, which was fucking awesome. I uh, I had a professor named Professor Tyndall. He was... Th- that is the most Harry Potter fucking <laughs> teacher name I've he ever heard. He was so cool, and he made me think about movies in a way that I had never looked at them before. And Pulp Fiction was one of the movies that... We watched and went over, and he talks about foreshadowing that happens throughout the movie. Every every time Vincent Vega goes to the bathroom, something bad happens. Yes. Every time. Okay. Oh, never mind. I was like, I remember two. I just remembered a third. Is there any more than three? It's three. It's three? Okay. Every time he goes to the bathroom, something bad happens, though. And he always has the same book, too, I think. Like, he's always got that book with him yeah. that he never got to finish yeah, reading, yeah. too, which is also tragic So in itself. It it made me see not, like, foreshadowing that isn't really obvious Yes, in movies in a way that was kind of an eye-opener. I know this isn't a Tarantino movie, but The Departed never saw it. was another example where it was like every time you saw an ex... Something was in gonna, something, something was gonna somebody happen. was going to die. Okay. Very cool. I'd also like to say, why the hell didn't he just take his gun into the bathroom with him? Why did he leave on the kitchen counter to go take a shit? I think at that point he had probably already searched the apartment and he probably felt confident that he wasn't. He he was there waiting to see if he came back and he went into a closed door without his gun. That was just 
That's fair. I don't want to pick apart. Like, it could have been something simple as like he put his gun down, picked the book up, and just went. Like just something human. Like he just it's, forgot it's, it. It's very Vincent Vega. Yeah. It's very <laughs> yeah. Vincent Vega. <laughs> the movie was awesome. It, yes. was, it was a great movie. I think it's probably the movie that I'm sure Tarantino doesn't like the fact that that's the movie that everybody looks at. It Why was. A, Why do you not think that he... That Tarantino doesn't like that that's his movie. Think about how everybody felt about Linkin Park's hybrid theory album. I know nothing about Linkin Park. (laughs) They put out their first (laughs) album was Hybrid Theory. It was everybody's favorite album. No matter how many more albums they put out, that was their favorite. Are you really comparing Quentin Tarantino? Sorry, sorry. Quentin Tarantino to Linkin Park right now. (laughs) It's, It's the same sort of thing. From an artist's perspective, to do something and then to do so many more things, okay. but everybody, anytime anybody hears that, they automatically go, "Oh, you mean the guy who made Pulp Fiction?" Gotcha. I I'm sure he I'm loves. Compare it to something I, else <laughs> equally as ridiculous to Lincoln Park. Wow. Like Mike Myers, and like it's different in the go sense on. that Mike Myers is known for Shrek and Austin Powers. I feel equally. Is that, is that what you're trying to get? Like, like Tarantino's kind of known for that one thing, whereas Mike Meyer, wow, does this happen? I talked to, okay, let, let me put it like this. I talked to somebody today because I've been talking to other people about Quentin Tarantino you because to me. you and me haven't been able to talk we about this for a fucking month. Yes, that's true. I've had to talk to other people about it. <laughs> I talked to somebody today who did not know that Inglorious Bastards was Quentin Tarantino's. Wow. Yeah, so there are people out there who don't know that some of these movies are Quentin Tarantino's, but Pulp Fiction is always going to be that one movie that people immediately go, that's his movie. So as an artist, I'm sure he's very proud of the movie. I'm sure sure it's got to be right up there with Reservoir Dogs. It's got to be one of those things where it's like, well, you know, I mean, I've been making a lot of other great stuff, too. I made nine movies. So, you know. Also, can I want to say, Pulp Fiction might not be a comedy, but it has a scene in there that is the funniest scene in any Tarantino movie. Which one? Christopher Walken. And the whole story about how he stuck <laughs> this watch <laughs> right up his ass right to up keep his it ass. safe. He said it so casually to so a child. That, that's why it was so funny, I think. Like... I don't. I'm. It has to be intentionally funny because it's a serious grown man talking to a child seriously about st- carrying this watch up two different people's asses over the course of a lot of, of like decades. I think it is what it is. Sometimes I was gonna say. Sometimes what you just gotta put a watch. Sometimes up your butt. you just have to put a watch up your butt just to see what happens. I gotta say, funniest scene in all of his movies. That one. All right, so... 95. 95. Oh, wait, there's really something in 95? I believe so. I thought he skipped a couple. 1995. This was my first time seeing this movie. Four Rooms. Four Rooms. I've never seen it. So, Four Rooms. When I first looked into watching it, I had seen that it had really bad reviews. And I feel like Four Rooms is one of those movies where it was sort of before its time... Like you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like it, it, it real if, quick. If people were to watch real, it now, real quick, nobody. I'm Four Rooms is a movie 
a, a, a set in a hotel, right? Yeah. Tim Roth is the bellboy. Yes. And it takes it takes place in four different rooms in the hotel, mm-hmm. each one done by a different director. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to state what four. Yeah, rooms was. yeah. I'm not going to remember who two of the directors were, but I know Robert Rodriguez was one of them, and I know what segment he did, and Tarantino was did another one. Were those the two best ones? Yeah, but they all it all really meshed together well. But Tarantino's segment, so Tarantino's segment was the last part, which was uh, Penthouse, the man from Hollywood. Okay. He acts in it. He's the man from Hollywood. Just a spoiler alert. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels very Tarantino-esque, and the story for it is fucking great. I, I don't really want to tell you about it, because I do want you to watch it. I think... I think if people were tell to... Tell me what's... I literally know nothing about it, so just tell me like what it's, it's about. Tim, Tim Ross' character gets a job as a bellboy. Okay. It's his like first day, or his first night as the bellboy. He gets into a bunch of different trouble with everybody in each room that he goes to. Makes a ton of fucking money and then quits. Oh, right. <laughs> it, Why, it Antonio Banderas and Madonna are in here. A lot of motherfuckers are in it. <laughs> a lot of people are in it. Bruce Willis is in it. Oh shit! Yeah, he's he he must have like a cameo role or something because he's, uh, he's 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 very far in, down on in this Tarantino's list. segment. He's one of the four main people in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not according to IMDb. I think if it were released today, people would definitely vibe with it more than they did. In I'll say also sometimes it's better. Like ninety ninety five, you said. Yeah. And you just watched it in 2023? Yeah. Sometimes you read the low reviews and you go in with low expectations, so you think better of the movie then. It I think either. sometimes it low reviews... Tip. Yeah, I think what, sometimes what low would, reviews kind of helps a movie Yeah, out. what I would in say t- is... In a case like this. Yeah. Definitely watch it, though. It's worth watching at least once. I I think it started weird, and I think it ended... It was funny, though. It did. I did see on the poster, it said the newest comedy, like the comedy hit of the year or something. Yeah. So... I guess that's the Tarantino comedy movie then. <laughs> there it is. 96. Oh my god. When well, does yeah. he skip years? I can I can do this forever. 96. From Dusk Till Dawn. Robert Rodriguez directed Tarantino wrote. This is kind of the first time they did they tried Grindhouse. Yeah. Because this is two yeah. movies it put was. together into one movie. And you could, and you could definitely movie. feel Tarantino's... Um, you, like, the second they cross the border, it becomes a Robert Rodriguez movie. Right, right, right. Like, and you I love that what, about yeah, this. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Uh, this was actually Tarantino's first paid screenplay writing job. Oh. Yeah. So I learned a tidbit about this. The first horror movie that I ever saw was Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Okay. I was six. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. you talked about this more. Yeah. That's right, okay. This movie was originally intended to be the second Tales from the Crypt movie. Really? But the studio decided to go with Bordello of Blood instead of that, which what a fucking mistake that I was. I don't know what that is. Bordello of Blood was ass. <laughs> it was garbage. It was really bad. So especially like Tales from the Crypt from Dust Till Dawn. I... Like Tales from the Crypt yeah, presents yeah. from Dust Till Dawn. yeah. It probably been more focused on the Robert Robert Rodriguez half then instead of the Tarantino part. I think it would have been I don't know, 
That would have been pretty cool. Uh, but I don't know. They they definitely would have changed some stuff, so I'm, I'm kind of happy they went with what they did. I gotta tell you, I made a mistake with this movie twice in my life. Why? I've shown it to people who's their first time watching it when we're picking what Halloween movies to watch. Yeah. And then, like, the anti... Like, what what makes... Like, and then it kind of, like, ruins the surprise at the end. Oh, yeah. Because that now I, I picked it for Halloween, and they don't know why I did it. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, there's vampires in here. Which, it just would have been weirder if it was just, like, a random March that we watched it right, instead of right. October. Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez are definitely... Like a match made in heaven when oh, it comes yeah. to their friendship and, and the way that they work together. Yeah, I would love to see a Robert Rodriguez-directed Quentin Tarantino-written Spy Kids. <laughs> <laughs> spy adults. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just Machete. Have you seen Machete? I have not. Is that, it, that's Robert Rodriguez. It's right? Robert Rodriguez and it's Danny Trejo as Machete, who yeah. plays Machete in Spy Kids, and it's completely not for kids at all. <laughs> Okay, here's another fucking movie. Okay. That I had not seen before and I fucking loved having watched it. 1997, Jackie Brown. What did you think of Jackie Brown? I fucking loved Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown was such a fucking fun movie. It's a great movie. It's the only one of the movies that Tarantino has written, in quotes, and directed. That is not tied to any of his other movies because it's based on a novel written by someone else. Oh, that's right. Yes. I think I had seen that. Oh, oh, that's this is another one that's in order. Yes. He Again, it helps over. that it's based on. Yeah, it's based on a 1992 novel. We're going back now to 1992. Oh, here we go. Uh, Rum Punch. Okay. By Elmore Leonard. So, like, I, because of that. It is not considered. It's and Tarantino didn't like rewrite it enough to put it anywhere into like his movie universe. Yeah. So it's like the only one that he's, and again, it's weird to say written, but he did write the screenplay. It's di- writing a screenplay right, is different right, from right. writing a book, but he did write it and directed it, and it's not really like it's his work, but not his work at the same time. Yeah. Really weird, but you can definitely see all the Tarantino elements in it when you watch. Definitely. Um, it feels more in line with. Reservoir Dogs than it would with like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Very, I don't know, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I was kind of surprised I had never seen it before. Which brings us back to yours and my theory that 1997 was the best cinema year of all time. Uh, and the cast in that was was great too. That was it a- does have its own universe because like Michael Keaton's character in that movie shows up in other movies that are based on Elmore Leonard's novels. Oh, really? Like, yeah, so, like, that, like, so, like, Tarantino directed the first movie, I think it was the first one, right. in, like, a whole different, like, universe of connected films. All right, what else do we have? So, that was 97. 98. No, there's no 98. Oh, 99. And uh, I can tell you right now, there's no 99. All right, how about you jump to the next year, then? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 2000 2003 and three so this was his biggest <laughs> gap and i think it's because of how long it took for uh, him to i just write yep yeah, because what it is what it is so the movie starts in the what do they call them the pre-credits when they show credits before a movie 
I think for Tarantino, that's just credits. That's fair. Cause he likes giving everybody the uh, the recognition before the movie starts, so that way people are there to see all their names on screen. Okay. He does it with all of his, well, most of his movies. I'm pretty sure all of them. So in the, I'm still going to say, in the pre-credits, it says that it is a Q&U movie. The movie was written by Quentin and Uma Thurman. Oh, really? They wrote it together. Huh. Yeah. I did not know that. It was a character idea that they had while filming Pulp Fiction. Okay. That they My went... mouth is shut for now. I have some things for you, though. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump into this. You are not a big fan of if they're, I would Bill. Say they're definitely like my least favorite of the Tarantino films. I don't films. understand. I don't understand. The, like, what would you... Well, okay, you already have True Romance and... Well, no, okay. By written and directed, these are definitely my least favorite Tarantino movies. It's so it's so hard for me. With with written and directed, it's so hard for me to say this is my least favorite because of how fucking good <laughs> they all are. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. I enjoy the Kill Bill movies. They're just, they're definitely my least favorite of all of his movies. I love the line in Kill Bill 2 when they're just like, so she killed all 88 of them? They're like, no, it's just the name they yeah, like. No, it's just actually cool, 88. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was sort of the beginning of Tarantino's modern vibe. So this has a very, you know, Western and... Yeah. Definitely that sort of, you can see that 70s vibe about it. Okay. It definitely yeah. plays out like, oh, yeah. you know... Like a seventies western, uh huh. Like a spaghetti western. Yep, I have so much. I ugh. it's uh, all of my notes are connected, but for everything that you've been saying about every movie so far, I've wanted to jump in with my notes, but it's not <laughs> like I need. I want to do it all together to have it make complete sense. Okay, <laughs> I love the over dramatic blood spray that they have. I do like that throughout the two movies. That's yeah. really fun. It's very very uh, Evil Dead in a way. <laughs> This is another one of his out-of-order movies. Yes. It starts with the second kill, then it goes back to the first and kill. And I think there's, and, like, know. kills that are, like, marked off in the first movie mm-hmm. that are in the second part of the, like, second movie. No, no. no. I'm pretty so sure... So the first one that's marked off is uh, Lucy Liu's character. Is that her name? Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu. I'm pretty sure Vivica A. Fox is marked off in the first movie, and she doesn't kill her until the second movie. With the gun in the cereal box. God. No, no. That was a good. So that's a she, good scene. She was the second kill. She. That's how the movie starts. Yeah. I okay. She was. You, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I will no longer be talking about Kill Bill other than oh, interesting. That's <laughs> nice. So you go on. Right. Sit there like a good little Adam. <laughs> that's how the movie started. It starts with the second kill, and, and then that's goes when it back shows that like her waking else's, up and like yeah, all, okay, yeah. That's how the movie starts. Mm-hmm. When did you watch this last? Huh. Because I have doubts about I that. I watched all of these movies in the last month. God damn. So all I'm definitely them. wrong about that Kill Bill starting scene. 100% wrong. Yeah. That doesn't sound familiar to me at all. I really felt like this was Tarantino's most poetic work. Go on. It it The way that it flows and the way that it, it's, it's a tale of redemption and revenge. And it, it's... It feels it feels like the most it feels like his most poetic work. It feels like the I, one that's got you, the most soul to it. I will say, up until now, I would believe the Pulp Fiction thing. I feel like right after Kill Bill came out, that was like the Tarantino movie. 
That's fair too. That's another one. Yeah, you have a point there. Yeah, but I will. Pulp say, Fiction, I, I think, is the one Pulp, that Pulp Fiction like still sticks around, but like Kill Bill was so big, right? For so, like, I, I, I'm gonna say for some reason because none of his other movies were like that big right when they came out. But so, like Kill Bill, for some reason, just just hit. Yeah, I don't know if it was at the right time. That just like it just hit at a like everything about its release was just perfect, and it just became so big. Well, it also it also had a lot to do with the time between the releases. The time between the two movies was only six months. Yeah. So it was shot the as Matrix two and three. That no, so well, so it was shot as one movie. Yeah. It was supposed to be so one nobody movie. Nobody wants to sit through a four hour movie. Okay, so here's the part that sucks. All right. A lot of Tarantino's movies have been produced by Harvey Weinstein. Okay. A lot. Why does this suck? So Har- because Harvey Weinstein is a human shit. Okay. He's a bad, bad. How many characters? Bad, bad, bad <laughs> a, many. He's a bad dude. Yes. Okay. I know. I, I he was also, kidding on our comedy <laughs> podcast. Okay. He also <laughs> liked to pressure directors into shortening their movies. So he attempted to pressure Quentin Tarantino. And he said, no, fuck you. And so they split it into two movies. But it was meant to be one, one big, big movie. four-hour Listen, I would not want to sit through a four-hour movie. I don't have to sit through a four-hour movie. If I wait until DVD release, I could watch it whenever I wanted to and split it in half myself. You're On the other hand, he only hater. wants to do ten movies, and now Kill Bill counts as two of them because of that. I would love more movies from Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like... I feel like... I don't know. Maybe he got into movie making too too late in his life. I feel I don't know the fact it, that it's been he's been doing it for thirty years, right? But he's ninety and years he's old. Only, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just he, saying he's only made nine movies. I'm he's just written saying, but he's more, saying but that he's the next nine. So the next movie is supposed to be his final his movie, final movie, which sucks because I would love to see twenty more fucking especially since Tarantino movies. I I don't know when he decided this because Django Unchained was supposed to be. A series of movies. He was going to continue doing them and has just decided not to. We're going to get to that. In a we will, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Kill Bill Volume 2. So it's technically the same movie, but there was a lot about this one that was a lot of fun. Uh, Pai Mei, who was her uh, her trainer. Yes. Her, her Which master. He took her actual um, like kung fu movies, characters. Yeah. yeah. Like Pai Mei is an actual character from. Pai Mei is fucking incredible. And the other guy is Sonny Chiba. So the fact... I They talk about this in the movie, how Pai Mei knew the five-point yes. heart-exploding technique, and he didn't teach it to Bill. And Bill, obviously, was regarded to him. I mean, you know, he it was also... Pai Mei was also his master, and he didn't teach it to Bill. Yeah. And when he drop Bill drops off Beatrix with Pai Mei, and Pai Mei originally, like, right from the start, fucking hates her. And the fact that he taught that to her implies that while she was there, he had a serious change of heart about who she was and yep. and how much he, you know, he respected her. Now, remind me this. Did he teach her that before... Bill and everybody else 
left her for dead or did she go back to him no no this was this was was before this was while she was still with with bill yeah okay so yeah okay really cool i like Pime as a character uh the the fight between beatrix and l is fucking insane yeah okay that that the whole the oh whole God, so so the right. whole fight in general that's that's like that's the the pinnacle of it that's yeah, like the, you yeah. know that's the the climax of the fight but the whole fight in general is fucking crazy it's choreographed perfectly this is where Zoe Bell was Uma Thurman's stunt double stunt yeah. double who is an absolute fucking babe anyway. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Oh, I want to talk about her in a later movie. Very cool. I. And then just the the irony of her plucking out El's eye was yeah. like oh it was amazing, <laughs> and the fact that she's still Pi made the first one right huh Pi made the first one yeah, yeah she was being a fucking bitch yeah <laughs> I mean I know she's still alive but like like she like she's not gonna come she can't come for revenge no what is like, she gonna she, do like, <laughs> she's not daredevil you know no hey let's move on we're gonna jump back around uh, we're gonna move to a movie just like Tarantino movies there it is. We're going to move to a movie that he only guest directed. And now I'm going to say this. I know what you're talking about. Let's just stick to what he directed with this movie, okay? Okay. It was a five-minute segment. Yep. Let's talk about this five-minute segment from Sin City. It was all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Next. (laughs) No, no, no. What's the segment? No, no, no. No, I'm I'm not even kidding. No. Really? Okay. Yeah, we're moving on. Cool. Grindhouse, 2007. More specifically. More specifically, Death Death Proof. Proof. Okay. The other part, Planet Terror... Robert Rodriguez. Did you watch that one during for this too? I did not because he didn't have, any, <laughs> didn't have shit to do with it. What about any of the fake trailers they released for it? I I only remember the machete one. Machete. Machete. Uh, hobo with a shotgun ended up becoming an actual movie. That's a oh great, yeah, that's dude, a fun movie. that's right. There's Don't, which was an Edgar Wright trailer. Oh. Uh, Werewolf Nazis of the SS, a Rob Zombie trailer, which is still one I would love to see. I'd watch that. So, uh, so I have a story. Go for it. This is story time. When I first watched these movies, I pirated them. <gasps> Eli! I, I mean, I didn't pirate anything. I, I slipped and fell. Anyway, I watched Death Proof first. Okay. And this was only after having seen the trailer maybe like one time for the whole grindhouse. Like Okay. And <laughs> I feel like that would have been I really spent, fun as a theater experience. I so. spent the whole time wondering when the girl got Oh the- my god, no way! When the girl was gonna have a machine gun the- leg. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the whole movie like how is this going to tie into this? Oh, my God. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. My God. I will say uh, Planet Terror is fun. It's like alien invasion zombie shit. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a very Robert Rodriguez. Death Proof is very Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> um, so Death Proof has deliberate like editing errors. Yes. To make it feel more like it was a grindhouse yes. movie. It was just something that was thrown together and you know released for a quick cash grab. I thought that was so. I, I thought that was really fun in the movie. Yeah, it made really it, it made it feel, it feel like that time. yeah. It was very cool. That also brings you back to that seventies vibe, which is funny because you said there was what cell phones and Red Bull in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the second, it's in the 
The There's a half. cell phone in the first half in the first half of okay. the uh, movie, and then they mentioned Red Bull in the second half, and it was like, okay, this, so this is modern. So Death Proof is about an old stunt man. Yeah. Yes. Who kills women for fun? Um, like crashes his car into their car for fun. It seems. I would like to add that it's probably he likes to kill semi-famous women. Okay. So oh, that's true because Zoe Bell played kind of herself in the second half right. of the movie, right? Okay, but the first half when he slams into the car and it just shows all the different angles of their limbs flying everywhere, yeah, was fantastic. I remember specifically that one girl's leg was just completely out the passenger side window. You just see it get ripped just right totally off, totally ripped off. I was like, huh? Yeah, very crazy. I was like, oh wow, that was a weird movie. And then the second half starts, and you're like, oh, we're only halfway done. Okay, let's do this. Kurt Russell has had a pretty solid acting career. Like he's had some consistent roles throughout his career. Escape from New York. That's been fun. Oh, the thing. The thing. That was my next yeah. one to oh, say. Yeah. We'll talk about the thing when we get to. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to watch the thing. I haven't seen the thing in like 15 years. Oh, okay, you've seen it. I've seen. I've seen it. I haven't seen it in so long though. So they mentioned Big Kahuna Burger. Uh-huh. In this movie. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I it's, love... in my, it's all in my notes. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> After the first series of his like murders that he gets away with, yeah. there's two cops that are talking about the theory of why he's doing this. And one of them says, oh, I don't know, maybe it's the only way he can shoot his goo. <laughs> so, I wrote, I so as i'm writing it i'm like let me write down this quote oh shoot god. his goo oh my god that's great i hate to do this to you again maybe i'll save what this else one. no what else gets mentioned and the uh the one lady's ringtone is the whistle song from kill bill oh it's funny i don't have that one in my notes okay. uh yeah and then the last i like thing, the whistle that i forget what the song is but i like that the last thing i have about this movie is the reversal the fact that there's a distinct moment when Kurt Russell's character realizes that he's being hunted yeah. instead of doing the hunting. And it's fucking awesome seeing him absolutely panicked. Like he gets first, he gets shot, he gets winged and he's freaking the fuck out about that. And he's like, Oh my God. Oh fuck. Like he's, he's uh. terrified. And that's enough to get him where he's like, he's in full panic mode. And they're having the for the the women are having the most fucking fun just chasing this motherfucker down. And then when they finally get him, and it's just like a five minute sequence of them kicking the kicking shit, the out, shit of him. out of him. I love that so. This I was, was so the, great. This was the first time I ever deserved. heard. Yeah, like it felt like it felt like you got it and like you deserved it. And then Chick Habit playing at the end was like awesome. Yeah, that was a great movie. I'd say if you haven't watched that in a while, go back and watch it because it is—it's a lot of fun. I do need to. What's what's the next year? Let me see if I can guess it. Two thousand nine. Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. So this is the first one of Tarantino's movies that doesn't have that seventies vibe to it. No, it has more of like a forties vibe. I would say definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is another one of his movies that revolves around cinema. Yeah. Here's a little tidbit for you. Quentin Tarantino He's hates CGI. Not good for him. In the first scene of the movie. Is there CGI? When they pull up to the farm, the cows are all really, really, really bad CGI. Like, when you go back, if you go back and you look at a picture of it, you're going to feel 
almost embarrassed. You're going to be like, wow, <laughs> how did that pass? When I saw the picture of it, I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it's that bad. And the story behind it was that they couldn't get cows in time. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine working in Hollywood and you couldn't get cows in time? On a, on a farm you're filming at. Like, you're already filming on a farm, I assume. There it is. Alright, I can't find a picture of the cow, so I'll look it up later. But, <laughs> Christoph, that, that opening scene, that whole oh, yeah. opening scene, though. So, Christoph Waltz. Oh, my God. This is a his first, was this your first time for Christoph Waltz yes. also? His performance in this is absolutely fucking terrifying. And I want to say, he he's such a good actor. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, there were a couple of different parts during the movie where uh, Tarantino snuck in other actors, like when they're talking about Stiglitz, okay, and they're showing the newspaper clippings. It's Samuel L. Jackson that narrates what they're talking about, okay. And then later in the movie, when it's the conversation between whoever Aldo's handler is and Christopher Waltz's or Christoph Waltz's character. It's it's uh, Harvey Keenel. Okay. Yeah. So he he finds ways to also like sneak in his favorites, and they're like, "Hey, I got a <laughs> I got a little blurb for you if you want in there." <laughs> this was Brad Pitt's second Tarantino movie. First, that's directed and written. First, that's directed uh, and written. I love his role in True Romance, but they're like the the stoner, <laughs> like the stoner, the stoner on, the on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> that oh god, that was a comedy. That movie's a comedy. I don't care what you say. Anyway. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. The the restaurant scene ordering creme. Oh yeah. Oh my god, dude. Christoph Waltz is like it's just the fact that when he when he leaves, she's like she immediately bursts like breaks down crying. Because the whole time she's like, Does he recognize me? Am I about to die here? (laughs) Like, oh my god. He didn't he had no fucking clue. Which is surprising because of how great of a fucking detective he was. Yeah. Real quick, you watched this recently. I did. Was this out of order? I'm trying to like piece together what I remember scene by scene. No, it's in order. It's in order this one, yeah. right? Yeah. This one, yeah, the entire movie is in order. They 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 do, might, they do a couple of flashbacks, but it's not really. It, it's not, it's crazy. not like jumping back to a, this part of the story. It's just a flashback. No, yeah, yeah. They, they show what happened with Stiglitz. Okay. You know, and then and then they bring it back. How do you think Aldo got his throat slit? That has to oh. be a fucking story. Oof. Yeah, because when you see the scar, you're like, oh, he went through some it's, shit. With how much? Well, I mean, everybody hated Nazis. But, like, with like, it's probably a not, it's probably Nazi-related. The Bear Jew. Eli Roth. Eli director Roth. of Hostel. And other movies, but that was his big break. Kevin Fever. Feel. Did he do Kevin Fever? Mm-hmm. I still... See? He also acts in it. When I hear Eli Roth, I think of Hostel. You know, I've never seen it. But I, oh, you never I, seen I know, I don't, I'm not a fan of gore porn. That's fair. The first one is worth, I feel like, watching once. Okay. The Bear Jew. So the Bear Jew. Here is how this whole thing went. Quentin Tarantino had him down in the tunnel there, working out. And he kept telling him, he kept telling him every day, oh yeah, your scene is coming up, just stay back here and get pumped, you know, you know, get yourself worked up yep. for it. And he did it apparently four or five times. Days yep. in a row. <laughs> and that's why he, he, Eli Roth comes out with such fucking intensity, and it's because it, it finally fucking happens. <laughs> Absolutely fucking. I would hate to be 
in that man's path. <laughs> like, dear God. Uh, Aldo's whole crew is amazing. Yes. I can't remember if he's in the movie or he might have like a quick scene, but BJ Novak is one of them. BJ Novak is in several parts of the yeah. movie. He's the only surviving member of the Inglorious Bastards oh my that's God. left with Brad Pitt at the end. That's right. BJ Novak. How about uh, how about fucking Michael Fassbender? Oh my god, dude! That scene, dude. This the whole movie is just like it's intense, and it just keeps building and building and building. And then sometimes nothing happens, but yeah. then something like this one, they have, something they happens. Have a whole and, scene, oh my god! They have a whole scene dedicated to introducing Michael Fassbender, his character. Okay, and then they kill him off in the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Funny. That was like one of his big breakout roles too, wasn't it? Like, isn't that I don't Michael Fassbender? I, don't know. I feel like he went from this into playing Magneto in First Class. Really funny scene, Michael Myers. Oh my god, Michael Myers! Michael Myers. Mike Myers. I lost yeah. my shit in theaters when I saw Mike Myers <laughs> just randomly in there. Ran- oh man! Yeah, so <laughs> So it's funny that you brought up B.J. Novak because I have in here specifically the little man. And that was his nickname that the Nazis called, (laughs) referred to him as the little man. He was like, they call me the little man? (laughs) (laughs) The deal that they make is absolutely crazy. The deal that he sets up. Go on. That he really thought that he was going to get away with it. Yeah. I mean, he got away with it. He did. He did. He just now has Kinda. a swastika carved into his forehead. Yeah. His first movie where they rewrote history, I believe. Yep. 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 This plays into a thing for something I, I have later on. I love that you're bringing that up. I love that you're bringing that up. I really like that they did that. It was yeah. cool seeing him, uh, seeing Hitler die like that. Yeah. It was cool seeing him get like tore up. That was fun. <sighs> so good. I didn't know that. Until I had seen this movie, I didn't realize that old film was that flammable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, too, that there were two different plans going on to kill Hitler at the same time. Yeah, like, yeah. That and you got to figure... I love that kind of shit. You have to figure that, at least, was definitely realistic. Because yeah. there had to have been, like, nine different plans going at one time. Yeah. Like, hey, how are we going to kill Hitler this week? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's another one for you. Champagne. <laughs> so, the... This is a fun tidbit for you. The glove pistol. Okay. That he had to like punch in order to trigger it. Yeah. Those were real. Really? Those were real. They were used briefly by. Holy shit. Uh, allied forces like spies. Fucking awesome. I thought wow. that was pretty really cool. Really briefly. We didn't talk about it, but from Del Soldan, the, uh, the belt buckle pistol. <laughs> that, that pops out with the two testicles he, on what's it. His, what's his Tom name? Tom Savini. So he's the makeup artist. Yeah, he's yeah. a makeup artist. Yeah, a lot of movies. Um, yeah, I just, you brought up the gun, the gun fist. I wanted to bring up the cock pistol real quick. <laughs> I think that's all I have for that one. All right, next up, Django Unchained, two thousand and twelve. I don't have this written down in front of me anywhere. I just know the last few. <laughs> Damn, you got that spot on. Jamie Fox fucking crushed that character. Jamie Fox is great. DiCaprio's great. Funny thing about DiCaprio, since we're bringing him up here, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the entire time watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would forget it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, he did such a good job, I didn't see Leonardo DiCaprio. Right, right, right. To the point where I was talking to Cody about it, my brother, 
And I was like, yeah, I can't believe this was DiCaprio's first Tarantino movie. Totally, like, again, DiCaprio's so good, I just see the character. Like, I think I just see the character. I don't see him. He is a very uh, a Whereas very Brad solid, Pitt, I was like, no, that's very, very much dragon. Brad Pitt as Aldo and as yeah, Brad Pitt yeah. as Cliff. Like, I just I could see that the whole time. But DiCaprio, I got lost in his performances where I didn't, like, I just forgot that it was him eventually. What's weird about you saying that is that I also, at one point, was sitting there like, oh, yeah, this, that's this DiCaprio. Is, in, DiCaprio. In Hollywood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it was when he, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> that's coming up very soon. So, until we decided to make this podcast, I also had not seen Django Unchained. I think that was another, that was one I saw in theaters. Oh, my God. <laughs> And this is one of the biggest, I think this is the biggest Dude. example of them using the N-word in one of his movies. Dude, yeah. Oh my god. It's during slave time. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. But like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that's rewritten history. He started a big uh, slave rebellion, uh, what is it, I think two years before, like the first, like in, in like real world history, like two years before oh, like the yeah. first one. Like, I love that this movie and the next two movies very heavily play off of Old West Bounty Hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. You could tell he got into a into a vibe there and he was just like, I, I wish he this. kept going with that. For, oh, well, I mean, he kind of did three in a row. Yeah. He kind of did three in a row. I would, <laughs> I would still kill for another one. No, uh, Christoph Waltz comes back in this one with another absolutely fucking... <sighs> Do- Dr. King Schultz, right? Beautiful fucking oh, performance. There's an overall lesson in the movie that, you know, Pride ended up being his demise, ultimately. Dude, they, which they sucks. got away with it. They got away well, with they it. they didn't get away with it. They ended they, up paying... But it they, sounds weird talking they about have left as with, two white men. Yeah. But they, they, they ended up paying way more than they were expecting for Django's wife. Yeah. Because they were found out on what they were doing. But they all could have left. They could have just left. And his... Uh, pride. Yeah, pride ended up totally killing him, but also killing all the rest of them. So, you know. Um, I believe Will Smith was in talks for Django, and the reason he didn't do it was because he refused to not be the one to kill the main bad guy. He wanted to be the one to kill Calvin Candy. Calvin Candy, the Just owner like of Candyland. Yeah, but yeah, so Will I th- believe Will Smith was cast as Django until that happened. This is one of those movies where... Oh my god, Jonah Hill as a Klansman. Oh yeah, that I'm was... I'm sorry, my... <laughs> that, just, that just popped... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that just bothered my head. Yeah. That was a that, fantastic scene. That whole scene, scene was... Oh my god. You want to talk about funny scenes. That's... Them oh. bitching about the first, like, clan hoods. Oh my god, you know what? That might be... That might be <laughs> the watch scene. That's right up there with it. It's, that right, was... it's right up there with the watch. Wow. <laughs> All right, so this is this is what I was trying to... This okay, is, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're going to feel bad about this because this was a more serious tone. Yeah, but we're not a serious podcast, so I'm glad. We, I feel like we we all definitely, and we're saying this being millennials from the North, uh-huh. we have all learned about slavery. Yes. That was a thing that you people did before my family was ever in this country. Fuck you, you Turkish bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's easy to forget the horrors of slavery. And I feel like this is one of those movies where as I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, like I've I've completely forgotten how bad it actually was. 
when the dogs are tearing him apart. Oh my god! You have you have to figure that wasn't and Jango even. Just had to sit there and watch it happen. That wasn't even the worst of what was done to African slaves. So it's I think it's easy to forget the extent of how bad it was and this was one of those things just where it was sit there and talk about Jonah Hill. This was I'm just saying this was one of those this was one of those moments where I sat there watching it and I was like like wow. Yeah. Like god damn like fuck them. Fuck like <sighs> Alright, sorry. Back to the and back to comedy. All right, uh, um, is it worth mentioning DiCap- uh, DiCaprio's bloody hand? Is it even mentioned? Oh, everybody knows it. I know. Everybody knows it. I so just love he, that it was by accident. He ag- yeah, he accidentally cut his hand up. I think the most fucked up part about that was, was that, that he rubbed it. He on, rubs it on her fucking face. Yeah, he rubs face. it right like, on. Uh, I believe it's Carrie Washington's face. Yeah. Like and and you you gotta imagine I I'm I'm picturing DiCaprio as a person immediately after that shot had to have been like I'm so sorry I did that. Well, but yeah, I we was, see that play I out would, in Once Upon a Time. Yeah, in yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm so fucking sorry I did that. Like, god damn. But that added so much. It to did. That it scene, made though. that. Holy it made shit. the scene. It made his character more terrifying. Yeah. It made the scene fucking like crazy. Ugh. Django's so great. Oh, uh, my last thing that I wrote down about this movie was that this time Samuel L. Jackson was the motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And he really was. Yeah. Yeah, he was the motherfucker. Like, what an asshole. 2015, The Hateful Eight. My new favorite movie. Easily our new fucking favorite movie of Tarantino's. Tarantino, I think I told you this, but Tarantino's two most, uh, the movies he was influenced most by. To make Hateful Eight. So I didn't know about the one. I knew about the other. Okay, it was The Thing. The Thing. And Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I was really inspired by myself. Like To which, when I, heard, so when I heard that, I was like, really? And then I found out, somebody somebody asked Tarantino, was like, hey, do you watch your movies? He's like, yeah, I, lo- I make movies I want to watch. I love watching them. I was like, you know what? Good for you. That's fair. Good for you. Which it really feels like Reservoir Dogs done in the Wild West, Hateful Eight. Just touching on that really quick. He also is very good at acting parts that he's written for himself to play. Yes. Yeah. Because he's obviously, he sees how he wants that character to be played. And he goes, you know what? I trust myself. I know myself. how to do this. But he always writes himself as a character that says the N-word. Anyway, I wrote down this movie starts with Jesus, which is fair because Jesus <laughs> it starts showing the uh, the the cross and Jesus on the oh, cross yeah. and shit like that. Dude, this movie, man. The I didn't, soundtrack. I didn't know for uh, this movie. Um, uh, let me confirm something about the soundtrack. Oh my quick. god! And I forgot to look up the one song that's in it, but there's a, a song that's in it that I wanted to add to uh, Spotify because, dear God, like. Everything about this. <gasps> yeah, I was right. Uh, Quentin Tarantino used unused, uh, used uh, unused score from the thing in this movie. Did he really? Yep. What the fuck? Yes. I wanted to confirm that before I said it, but yes, Quentin Tarantino used music that was not used that was made for the thing, but not used. God, this. Oh my god, <laughs> dude. 
I didn't. I knew it was just like eight people locked in the cabin. That's pretty much all I knew about it. Yeah. But holy shit, this movie. Very cool to see Tarantino OG actors back together. Yeah. Tim Roth and Michael Madsen back together. Jackson. Yeah. That second movie, Pulp Fiction, he was in. They weren't. Oh, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Samuel Jackson and Tim Roth. With, were, back Tim together. Roth. I don't think he ever had any interaction with Michael Madsen. No, but I mean, just, just like the, the just like the Tarantino actors back together, though, not specifically everybody acting with each other. I I'm Dude, very this. yeah I'm very much of the belief that actors who can make you hate them like hate their characters are incredible actors and Michael Madsen I feel like does not get enough credit Dude it, from Reservoir Dogs on up he makes you fucking Dude once we get him. to the the twist of this movie I got something to say but oh I I feel like we're about to just turn into like 10 minutes of hateful eight talk I know we've zoomed through some other ones but I want to talk about hateful eight do you want to talk about... I didn't know what... To, I had no idea. Like, all the other movies, I kind of knew what to expect. Hateful Eight, I knew nothing. It starts with him with his bounty. He picks up two strangers on a snowy road yeah. who shouldn't be there, so automatically doubt is in your mind about, like, who's working for what. Yeah, yeah. They get to the haberdashery, and there's a bunch of people in there, and he's like, no, one of them is, like, working. And you think he's just being paranoid, and, just, and it's all of them. It's It was... I did not all see the, all of them coming. No. I even thought maybe what Senor Bob might have been separate and killed the owners of the haberdashery on his own because that seemed like yeah, something like it was he would its do. Own thing. Like it was his own thing I that thought, just happened to I tie thought, in with this. Um, my, I thought Michael Madsen's character was getting falsely accused. I, I, I was like, it seems too obvious. I was instantly as obvious as him. It's not him. It's not him. He's like, yeah, I did it. I was like, oh shit! Like, wow, wow. So Tim Roth is the and, and he pulls out a gun and shoots him. I was like, what the hell is happening? And then somebody being in the fucking basement, Channing Tatum is did, fucking. Did you recognize it was Channing Tatum before it cut away? I didn't when he was in the basement. I didn't see that it was Channing. Tatum. Did all the gunshots happen and then it cut to the basement? He shot up and it cut the black first. I was like. Was that Channing Tatum I in the basement? I did not recognize him until he came upstairs. <laughs> I, was just, I was like, oh, well, like, there he is. Is that Channing Tatum in the basement? And then it did the Tarantino thing where it goes back to show you how everything was set yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta tell you, he did a great job, like Zoe Bell and all those people, at being the most likable people I've ever seen within five minutes of meeting them <laughs> just to get brutally <laughs> yeah, murdered right yeah. after. I was not expecting they, a lot of what was They going were some of there. the most likable people I've ever met in this movie. Like in any movie, in any movie. They were some of the most likable people and then just brutally murdered and you know what's happened it's going to happen. I'd like to just touch on this again that <sighs> Zoe Bell is a fucking babe. <laughs> uh, Very Channing cool. Tatum coming out of the cellar. Oh, I'd, I'd like to touch on this quick. Channing Tatum is a fucking babe. <laughs> <laughs> Channing Tatum coming out of the the cellar though. And then she's all happy that she gets to see her brother again. And then boom, no head. Boom, he's dead. Yep. I thought it was oh. really great. <laughs> toss your pistol out. All right, now toss your other pistol out. <laughs> I don't have another pistol. I will shoot her in the head right now. Toss if, your if, other if, pistol. I will shoot her head right now if you don't pull another pistol out of your ass within three seconds. <laughs> he's like, you better shoot a pistol. Like, of course he had another pistol. Come the fuck on. Do that. That uh, we're talking about it more. I know it's the most recent one I've seen now, but I swear to God, that's got to be my favorite Tarantino movie. It was fun. It was I, fun from start to end. I, I would was, definitely oh my God. of all the ones that we watched, 
well, of, of all the ones I watched just in this last month, that I think that's the one that I would watch again. Oh my god, dude, that one today. was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go home and watch Hateful Eight now. Yeah, so good. Uh, Such a good movie. Uh, there's a there was a Netflix series for this movie that was four hours long, or three and a half hours, I think technically. So I did some research, and the only thing it was like twenty minutes extra. I want to know. know if it's. On. I just want to. I sent you the website. It's like some conversations were extended. There was like an extended scene of uh, I don't remember his name. The sheriff being uncomfortable sitting next to Samuel Jackson while eating dinner. Right. Like it was just like more love like that drawn out a little bit. Yeah, and that's sort of Tarantino's yeah. whole thing is uncomfortable. Oh sort of yeah. Awkward conversation. You know. Oh my god, dude, that movie, and then how they're just the best of friends by the end. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say the best of friends, but oh, dude, they're, they're the, they're, they I, know that they're both dying. The, and yeah, they, I know, and, but, like, the fact that they're laughing so hard while watching her right. hang, like, oh, my they, God. They both know that they're dying, and I think it sort of reflects on both of them just dropping the bullshit. It was just, like, yeah. it wasn't the time anymore. Did you believe for a second that he was going to take the deal and kill him? Yes. Kill, yeah, he did? Yeah. Definitely. I, I had no idea which way he was going at all. Yeah, sitting there, it was very much... You're sitting there, like, biting your yeah, nails. Yeah, I like, had no idea. Come on, what, it, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, Hateful Eight is fantastic. My favorite. How did you like the use of the word dingus? Do you have the quote? Uh, I don't have the direct quote, but it's <laughs> Samuel don't... L. Jackson talking to the old guy. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Dingus. While my dingus yep. was in his mouth. Yeah, like, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. Dingus is a funny word. That was a scene. Shoot, that was a scene. That was and a the fact scene. that they showed it, even though that most likely did not they happen. They made sound effects. <laughs> which was like, wow, they really, they're going there. And Samuel Jackson had a big smile on his face. Just goading, like, just goading him. <laughs> just goading him. Uh, even in the scene where they show him, like, having it happen. Yeah, it was just like, throating him right there. I'm sure he, I'm sure he, I'm sure he did kill him. I doubt I that he did this. No, I don't. I think that was just to get him riled up to take a shot at him to draw first, so it's not illegal to kill him. Because that's the thing with the Wild West. Yeah. I think he did. I think he maybe maybe not everything that he described, but no, I see, think he thing, definitely I think he was completely him. lying the whole time. I don't think he did. Oh my god! Something I forgot to ask you about Reservoir Dogs. So I'm gonna jump back real quick. Oh yeah. Did Mr. White shoot Mr. Orange? Definitely. You think so? Yeah. yeah, me too. Okay, that was resolved quickly. Definitely. I well, to ask uh, you that about So before. I originally had reservations about it. Okay. And then this last time that I watched it, it, it seems it seems like oh he's pulling that trigger. Absolutely yeah. killed him. Oh, you got me all fucked up. Now. Sorry, hatefully. I know, but I'm, now emotionally, you uh, got me all fucked up. Yeah. That was such a sad scene. Where he's, he's just like they're Dude. both they're oh, both dying, and he's just like. I'm a cop. Like I'm, just, so, I, I'm so sorry. I, I did um, it again. This I, I watched it recently for this, and I was just like, why do you tell him this? I think it was just, he felt like, I think he just felt guilt. <sighs> this guy who'd went to bat for him so hard to the point where he was going to die because of it. And I think at that point, at that point, he had been shot a second time. Yeah. And was definitely, he knew he was dead either way. Yeah. So now that we jumped all the way back. All right. So now we got to go back in order, get to where we are. <sighs> True romance. No no, 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 no. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 2019. 2019. Can I tell you, 
I forgot this was pre-pandemic. So did I. I thought and this I'm was watch- like two I'm, years ago. I'm watching it in 2023 being like, this was four years ago? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So I'm going to hit you with something. Please don't. Not again. And uh, I'm sorry. Go on. Don't take this the wrong way. Go on. No, it doesn't really work out like that. See, I would say that this one was not my favorite. Okay. While still acknowledging that it was fucking incredible. This movie was incredible. What I kept I kept trying to figure figure out like what it was about before I watched it. And like and like when you like read like the back of the DVD and everything, it's just like, oh yeah, it's just like a day in the life of two older like old actors that like or like an older actor and his stuntman in Hollywood. I was like, but there's got to be something. And then you watch the movie, you're like, oh no, it's just a day in their life. And then it skips ahead six months and it's just another day in their life real quick. I'd like to just take a second here. I don't know if you know who Roman Polanski is. I do. Okay. You do know who he is? Yes. Okay. The child rapist. Yes. Roman Polanski who fled the country so that he wouldn't be yep. going to prison. Yes. But at the time during this movie, that wasn't known. Right. When this movie takes right. place, it's not Absolutely. known. Absolutely. But I watched this with my wife. Yeah. She didn't know about the Sharon Tate murder, so she didn't have the same anticipation at the end that I did. Oh, really? And I was like, how do you not know about this? So, second movie that they've rewritten history, yep. which is... Third. Jango. Oh, we talked right, about right, Jango, right. yeah. Sorry, third. Uh, like, 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 well, I don't even want to say major, but like, widely well-known news. Definitely probably a second. So, this is a trifecta movie. Go on. This is a late 60s, early 70s Western filmmaking movie. Holy He shit. took all of his interest for this one and went, I'm cramming them into one movie. <laughs> it is, Get in there. It is, it, this is like, he was going for it. This one. He's like, I'm going to make this everything that I want. And he did. And it was good. It was very good. My favorite line from this movie came really early in the movie. Okay. Ooh, that's hot. Anything you could do about that heat? It's it's a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> like, immediately <laughs> had to pause it because I was laughing. Yeah, that was, was great. <laughs> so fucking good. Oh, my it God. It was a good, it was a really good movie. I had fun watching it. I would also watch this one again. Yeah. So I feel like Margot Robbie was cast as Sharon Tate to, like, subvert expectations. For people who know the history, because like the, you got like a like a very famous actress to play this part, and she does nothing in the movie, right? So you expect it to be right, end, right. end up at show, the end of the movie they to show like happen. Several fucking parts where you're like, oh, they're really following her. Oh, yeah. here it comes. They build up, and then it's it's anticlimactic. I wouldn't call that anticlimactic. No, not, not anticlimactic, <laughs> but her her involvement in it. Yeah, yeah. So like that, it just felt like that she was cast specifically. As a red herring. Are you, am I the only one that thought that there was something significant that was going to happen with Rick's cough? He had this like bad cough all throughout. Oh, yeah, that's right. It just kind of stopped. And I, I sort of, I sort of sat there like, oh man, he's going to find out he's got cancer or something <laughs> like that. It's going to like turn into something crazy. And then it just, yeah, it just goes away. Oh, I have, oh, I have more here. The the Bruce Lee fight was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Him getting uh, thrown into the car. I, it makes me wonder, and I don't know too much about Bruce Lee. I wonder if he really was, like, full of himself and sort of, like, uh, 
I'm not sure. I did hear that his family was trying to get his scene out of the movie. Oh, and really? Just have him not depicted in the movie at all. It 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 sort of it sort of made it seem like he was sort of a douche. I was one is Bruce Lee. I thought Cliff was gonna get his ass kicked immediately. The fact that so he threw I. him into the car, yeah. I was like, oh damn. <laughs> I was, he threw him into the car with with ease. I was like, maybe he did kill his wife. <laughs> oh, he definitely killed his wife. You think? Absolutely, he killed his wife. I would have killed his wife too. Do you think it was by at like it? It felt like it was leading to a thing where like it felt like he wanted to, but it also could have just happened to be an accident at the it, same time. I think it was one of those things where the only person that knows whether or not he killed his wife is, is him. him, and that's the only time it'll ever. Yeah. True. So, uh, how how fucked up Rick was over the Great Escape. So they show the one actor starts asking him if he really almost got the part for the great escape oh yes and he's sitting there and they're playing what is it is it piano it's like off-key piano notes and it's just like you can feel the pain (laughs) like that there's a that there's an open wound there that he's still not all right with and then seeing his alcoholism and it affecting him being able to remember lines it was good to see somebody though in the late 60s not driving because their license was taken away from them because of DUIs. Yeah. I feel like that yeah. didn't happen often. I think, that, I think that probably was 100% fiction. It absolutely <laughs> never happened. <laughs> never. That feels like a time where somebody would get their license taken away and just would have kept driving anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So this brings me to the big scene. This was the, the one with tur- the little girl. This was the turning point of his career because it was where he got his confidence back. Yes. Immediately after that, <laughs> he was he took off. That scene was crazy. After seeing the way he was kind of... I want to watch that show, by the way. Oh, yeah. I wish that was a real show that Tarantino (laughs) just made as, like, a bonus feature for this. So there were were parts where you could tell that Rick Dalton, his acting was sort of, like, he didn't know where he was going with it. And that showed that he, like, his confidence in what he was doing was dwindling. Yeah, the the like when he forgot his lines twice. And then that scene, it was like he just decided he was going to give that scene everything he had and it benefited him. Yeah. Point where he threw her. He and threw and then girl. immediately it was like I'm so sorry it's about like, that. It's She's DiCaprio, like it's okay. DiCaprio. I had elbow pads. <laughs> DiCaprio in real life on the set of Django. Definitely, like, like that's definitely how it would have had been. to yep. have been. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Here's my here's my blood test. I'm negative on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cool to see the little girl. Like, that was the best acting yeah, I've ever seen. That was very. And cool. he was like, <laughs> oh my god, the scene where they're reading together on break. Oh yeah, and she's just like, well, like what's like what's what's happening in your book, and, and he, he just tells her what it's tells... about. She's like, no, 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 like what's happening right now in your book? Yeah, I'd like that as a question for somebody who's reading. Oh yeah, what's your book yeah. about? Like, no, like what's happening no, in the book right now? Tell me what's happening. I want to know what's happening. <laughs> Cliff is the real cowboy. See, seeing <laughs> seeing seeing Rick play a cowboy, and then Cliff seeing Be Cliff, a cowboy. he is yeah. the cowboy. He yeah. is the he is the nineteen sixty nine cowboy. <laughs> Very cool character. I I know that the whole time I was still sitting there like that's Brad Pitt, but at the same time, yeah, very cool character. The whole scene at Spawn Ranch. Oh my god, it felt like everything was building up, and it was just as they said it was exactly. Yeah, 
which confused the shit out well, of me. Well, it was it was what they said it was, but it was also really obvious that they were taking advantage of it all then. Yeah, but they weren't lying at all to what no, they were doing. No, no, they now. didn't lie about any of it, but it was still. Do you know who it, Dakota Fanning is? I do. Did you know that was her? I not until I so I sat there. <laughs> I sat through the movie. I saw her name in the pre credits or the Tarantino credits. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her name in it, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder where she's gonna be." And I was like, "I'm watching it, and I'm like, maybe I just didn't recognize her yet." And then she shows up, and you're just like. I looked at the cast. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't even know that was her until after the movie. No, I knew. I looked at the cast after the movie. I was like, where was Dakota Fanning? Where was this person? Where I was like, oh my god. That was cool. Oh. That was cool. I'm glad to see that she's still acting too. Because she was. She, <laughs> it seemed like she started as a child actress very strong. And then sort of over time disappeared a little bit. So then uh, the Italy trip. It was funny hearing the narration of what happens while he's there, he's in three different movies. Was it three? I think so. Three or four. Three, uh, three yeah. Three or four. And seeing, like, the titles of the movies and thinking about, you know, those are definitely the names of, of Western movies that would have been. I, If I'm not mistaken, I think some of them were actual Western movies that I thought, existed. I thought yeah. so. And they just sort of painted, you know, painted him in. Put yeah. Him in. Not Photoshop, though, because fuck computers, Tarantino would say. We're yeah. Using, we're using paint. Yeah, unless it's a cow, and then let's just fucking <laughs> let a three-year-old put it in there. <laughs> All right, so can we talk about the ending scene now? <laughs> How the Manson family so, is about to go First up. of all, first of oh. all, it starts with Cliff. Okay. Smoking the acid cigarette. Oh, oh my god, the acid. That's what kicks off the whole thing, Also, that sat there... For, for six months, months for while six they were in months. it, which I'm pretty sure would just make it stronger. I don't know how drugs so, work. <laughs> so, the, the first thing that I thought was, wow, the acid didn't like get on any of the other cigarettes or anything like that. Because I also, despite the fact that I work at a drug and alcohol <laughs> rehab, also don't know how drugs work. But I, I would assume by the time he bought the cigarette, it was dry. So I don't think it would get onto them. I guess. Starts his acid trip. Oh my god. Rick is drunk in the pool. Also a thing, I thought they were there for them at first. Because I thought it was some weird thing, like when Cliff went to go talk to George, right? The owner of the the set that the Manson family lived on. Oh, yeah. Like, he kept talking to him, he didn't know who he was, and he kept saying, uh, his, like, he kept saying, Rick Dalton, I worked with Rick Dalton on this show, and then that night they were watching FBI, which Rick Dalton guest starred right, on. I thought right. that was going to trigger who that was. Like, I thought it was more leading up to that, but it was just a coincidence again. It was funny, too, because Cliff Cliff says Tex's name several times and talks about, you know, stuff that was <laughs> happening. And Tex never realizes it's him. Yep. Never. Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing oh let me go back to the car and get my knife yeah i just forgot my knife in the car and then drives away <laughs> fucking great rick coming out and yelling at them to get the fuck off of his private oh road and stuff like that and then they back up and they're like that was rick dalton no yeah like yeah they sit there and it's because of that happened they were like that they target them instead like, let's go kill the people who made us love violence mm -hmm. and then boy <laughs> oh boy 
Then the dog just the dog was sick. That was awesome. <laughs> and I knew it. I knew when he was feeding the dog and they were coming into the house that the dog was gonna be involved. I'm like, that dog is gonna fuck them up. Dude. The whole time too, like uh he didn't know what was happening at first. Yeah, he's laughing and he's pointing his finger gun finger. At, at Tex and, and Tex is pointing. He beats Tex. the shit out of them, six the dog. When he just punches her in the face as she's running towards him with the knife. Yeah. During all the confusion of like how it was shot and everything, when one of them fell, the gun went off. I thought Cliff took a bullet in the head because he fell at the same time a gun went off. And I was like, did they just kill Cliff? Oh, I think I was waiting for him to get shot and it just I w- never happened. I, I was like, oh my God, did they just kill him? And then they just murdered the entire Manson family. <laughs> she ran out into the pool Which covered I, in blood and glass. I didn't know that this was going to be one of those movies where they rewrote history. Yeah, neither did I. That was like, what the I, fuck? And then he pulls out the flamethrower from the garage to just... I was like, that's over the top, and I love it. <laughs> I, I like thinking that when Tarantino writes movies, he goes, you know what? Maybe if my characters had been there, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> you know, he does it all the time. Yeah. I like, and I like that Rick Dalton gets like what he deserves. Yeah, at the like, end of he it, makes friends at the with end everybody of it, he finds that yeah, house. exactly what yeah. he had originally said was yep. that living next door to him might end up reinvigorating its, his yeah, career, yeah, having its benefits, and it does just just due to small talk, which is a great. It's something great that Tarantino uses all the time. Yeah. He uses small talk to set tones. He uses small talk to make things happen. Or, you know, yeah. in the time waiting for things to happen. But I think the overall lesson of the movie is to own dogs and legal flamethrowers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting to see him use the flamethrower at the end is, oh, is my God. Pretty, yeah. pretty great. I'm glad that he still has it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So time for my Tarantino notes. Tarantino has confirmed this is going to be the most Tarantino thing I've ever heard also. Is that his movies exist in two separate universes? There's the movie within a movie universe, and the realer than real universe. Okay. Now the movie within a movie is Natural Born Killers, From Dust Till Dawn, Kill Bill, and possibly Death Proof. I've been seeing Death Proof on both of these lists, so I'm not sure where it sits. Okay. And then so then all his other ones are like, like our unit, like the real universe, right? Uh, Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, Pulp Fiction, Possibly Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Django, and The Hateful Eight. Oh, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So what, essentially the movie within a movie universe are the movies that the characters in the real universe would go to the movies to see. Okay. So like Vincent Vega, if he was going to the movies, uh, what well, well, he died early, he would go see Natural Born Killers, probably, in theaters. Probably. Yeah. So stuff like that. And then to connect them, you already talked that uh, Vic and Vincent Vega are related. Mm-hmm. One of Django's first bounties is Crazy Craig Coons. It's just a quick clip like on a newspaper, like Crazy Craig Coons caught. Yeah. He is the great-great-grandfather of Captain Coons, Christopher Walken's character from Pulp oh Fiction. Oh my fucking god. He, he went deep with this. They cut Mr. White's last name from Reservoir Dogs. It's, uh, they call him Larry. In okay. Reservoir Dogs, yeah. it's supposed to be Larry Dimmick, who is the brother of Jimmy Dimmick, Quentin Tarantino from Pulp Fiction. On top of that specifically, 
nice guy Eddie n- says he knows a nurse named Bonnie to call for Mr. Orange. And Jimmy Dimmick's wife is going to nursing oh school and she's God. named Bonnie. Let's also remember he wrote like all of these with it like kind yeah, of together. Yeah, so yeah. like it was easier, I'm pretty sure, back then. It's believed that Tim Roth's English Pete Hickox from The Hateful Eight is related somehow to Fat Michael Fassbender's Lieutenant Archie Hickox from Inglorious Bastards. I'm upset. Which part? Uh, all of it. <laughs> Donnie Donowitz, the Bear Jew. Yeah. Is an ancestor of Lee Donowitz, the movie producer from True Romance. Uh, Mr. White has mentioned in Reservoir Dogs that he worked with a woman named Alabama before. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Ooh, I, what I'm going to get into last. Now, I don't know which one of these Death Proof is supposed to be in. So it's either believed that Kurt Russell, from as the stuntman from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, starred in a movie for Death Proof, or went crazy after his career and became a murderer in Death Proof. Hmm. Like, that one's just, like, I think, like, a that fan one, nod of Kurt Russell being yeah. a stuntman. But I, again, I'm not sure which universe death. I've seen conflicting articles right. about it. Now, do you remember a scene from Reservoir Dogs where Mr. Pink's running away from the cops and pulls a woman out of her car? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember a scene from Pulp Fiction? I believe it's when Butch hits Mar- Marcellus Wallace with his car. Yeah. And then he shoots a bystander on the street. Yeah. It's the same woman, the same actress. Uh, they dub her like the unlucky woman because it's happened to her twice. Oh my god. Like she gets her car stolen and she gets shot. Now here's my favorite one, which is funny because it involves Kill Bill. Mia Wallace is describing her TV series Fox Force 5 as uh, being, she plays the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. Yeah. Exactly how they describe the bride in Kill Bill. And then they describe her team in Fox Force 5, which is a blonde team leader, a Japanese kung fu master, a black demolitions expert, and a French girl whose specialty was sex. All characters from Kill Bill, meaning that the Kill Bill movie is most likely a Fox Force 5 movie. I'd buy that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. And now the movie within a movie connections. Here's one that's un- weirdly conflicting also. In Kill Bill, there's a chapter called, like, The Grave of Paula Schultz or something. Yeah. Is possibly Dr. Schultz's wife. But again, Django takes place in the real world and Kill Bill takes place in the movie within a movie universe. It's going to get way more confusing. Oh, no. Tarantino has confirmed that some characters can somehow jump through both universes. <laughs> specifically, okay, so he said this specifically about the wolf from Pulp Fiction. Can okay. jump universes, but he's only in Pulp Fiction. He's not in any other movie as the Wolf. No, he doesn't but, show uh, no, up but in I, anything. I would buy that he. <laughs> I would buy that he exists. In and both. then you have Sheriff Earl McGraw and his son Deputy Edgar McGraw. Sheriff Earl McGraw is in From Dust Till Dawn. He's the sheriff who gets shot in the beginning of the movie by right. the Gecko Brothers. Right. He's in Kill Bill, Planet Terror. Oh my God! And Death Proof. As the same actor and character. What the fuck? Oh my god, he is! <laughs> and then his son, Deputy Edgar McGraw, is in Kill Bill, Death Proof, and From Dust Till Dawn 2. 
which I forgot. There's other from Dust Till Dawn movies, but neither yeah, of no, them are by either of them, I we believe. Don't, we don't have to think about it. And then, in a lower way, there's the brands throughout all the movies. You mentioned Big Kahuna Burger already. Yep. There's uh, Jack Rabbit Slims, which is the restaurant oh, the, right, that right, right. they go to. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Vega and Mia go to. What do you mean by they? That's exactly what I was saying. I've got to clarify. <laughs> there's something called Geo Juice, which I found some stuff, but I didn't. I don't remember from any. Uh, it's not as prevalent, at least, yeah. as that and Red Apple Cigarettes. Red Apple Cigarettes. And they even roll their own Red Apple Tobacco in yeah, Hateful yeah. Eight, which I thought was a nice touch. And the, the commercial that Rick Dalton shot during the credits for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you watch through that? No. He does a, he does a commercial for Red Apple Cigarettes. What the fuck? And then when the camera cuts, he's like, God, these things taste terrible, and then throws <laughs> it away. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say before my super secret segment? You oh my god I forgot you have I a have super a super secret, secret segment. segment. The only thing that I want to say is that oh my god I forgot I have two more segments. Shit. Okay, well, the only thing that I want to say is that I, I I love you. I love you too. This is nice. Video games. Uh, there's a Reservoir Dogs video game. Isn't Quentin there? Tarantino doesn't like video games, but somehow Reservoir Dogs has been made into two video games. Oh, it's two. I just found out about the second one. It was a Steam-only game in 2017. It was like a top-down shooter. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. And it's just like loosely based on it. And then in 2006, there was a PS2, possibly Xbox. I only had a PS2. That's why I know that. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Straight up, based on the movie. You get to play all the parts that were talked about. Like, you get to play the heist. And when oh, it's really? messed up. You had different runs to do. Like, you can play Pacifist. Or you, it was like Professional and Psycho. And you could take hostages, get through all the scenes without killing people. And yeah. then there was this Mr. Blonde mode, essentially, yeah, to just yeah, kill yeah. everyone. Depending on how you play, there were alternate endings. Psycho would get Mr. Pink shot immediately at the end. Yeah. Pacifist, he would get away. And then Neutral is the canon ending of the movie, oh, essentially, okay. where he gets caught. Yeah, you can hear yeah. the cops outside saying, freeze, you're under arrest. Yeah. It's weird because they couldn't get the likeness rights for everyone. So everybody looks different and sounds different, except for Mr. Blonde, because Michael Madsen was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Everyone else was like, like this is a time where like video games are still like iffy. Nobody wanted to do yeah, like a property, yeah. so nobody really... That's good. Nobody else did it, but Michael Madsen was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So that was the big thing, was like, Michael Madsen is in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then no one else is, but don't worry about that, because Michael Madsen is. It was fun. It was a you know, third-person... A 2006 third-person shooter, right? That had driving mechanics in it, like okay, yeah, it was fun. Fuck it, okay. Board games, no. So, real quick, in Pulp Fiction, when Mia Wallace is overdosing, yeah, in the background on the shelf is Operation and the Game of Life. Okay, she's overdosing. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah. that's just funny. That's, yeah. uh, that's all that is. Okay, all right. Quentin Tarantino loves board games and collects board games. No. Yes. Really? Yep. He met John Travolta and just wanted to play board games with him, invited him over. They played board games. They specifically played board games based on Grease, Saturday Night Fever, and Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, what the fuck? During the board games is when he offered Travolta a role. Yeah. And he was like, I have two scripts. Let me know which one you want to do. It was Pulp Fiction and From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, my God. John Travolta uh, said he wasn't a big vampire guy. Yeah. So pick 
Pulp Fiction, obviously. And that it was Tarantino's dream to play board games with an actor from some of the board games that he has. Oh my and God. did it with Travolta. So he's a huge, he's a board game geek. That kind of reminds me of some people. I don't know who you're talking about. I have no about. idea who I'm talking about. Like us. So I have a list of who, what Tarantino says are his top three board games of all time. Okay. I will say, I will tell you this. We've never played any of them. Oh, okay. Alien. Like, a, there's a, apparently, like, a classic Alien board game. Hmm. And you get to play as the Alien, which is a quote from Tarantino. I like the idea that you get to be the Alien, too. Okay. Dawn of the Dead. Tarantino said, if your character is turned into a zombie, you keep playing, but you're now a super zombie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the legend of Jesse James, right back into his western kick. Oh my god. There it is. It gives you a nice feeling of, you are in this horse chase. That's his quote. <laughs> but yeah, he's a huge board game geek. So that's cool. Yeah. That was my super secret segment. So... He likes board games. There's, I couldn't find any board games based on his things, which is weird that he likes board games, but never but not video yeah. games. And like video games have been made, I couldn't find anything official. So his goal was to play a board game with an actor from one of the board games. Yes, and he specifically likes board games based on shows he likes. Like he has "I Dream of Genie" the board game, right. and like stuff like that. Do you think it would be a reasonable goal of ours to play a board game with Quentin Tarantino? Oh my god. Could you imagine? I feel like if we made a board game based on his one of his movies, mm-hmm. we could get him to play. Definitely. With us specifically. Definitely. The closest I've seen were people doing uh, Pulp Fiction Guess Who. And I think that's just because you uh, can ask the question, does, does he, he look, look like, like a, a bitch? bitch? <laughs> oh my god. Eli. Adam. Was there a longest episode yet? Oh my god. What are we doing next month? Uh, tentacle hentai. Adult animation. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. You have your notes open in front of you? <clears throat> I just opened them. You got your Tarantino notes? <laughs> I've been holding on to that for like a week straight when I thought of it. I got it saved in my phone as Tarantino. So I've been waiting so long. <laughs> you want to hear a fucked up, uh, fucked up little tidbit here? Always. I didn't know it was Quentin until we did this podcast. Explain. I thought it was Quentin. Q-U-I. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that? No, I can't. <laughs> I didn't know I it was Quentin. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. When I you went, say and Quentin I, fast, you say Quentin Tarantino. Like, yeah. You say and it, Quentin. And, it's, and that's, how I, that's how I've always heard it. I've never actually looked at his name and been like, oh, yeah, it is Quentin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you ever find it weird that nobody else has ever been named Quentin? I've never heard of anyone else named Quentin.